Welcome to the X Podcast. You're listening to Russ Moore, sitting here across from grinning Tim Moore, co-host of the year. In his oh, co-host of the year. Co-host of the year in his baby sky blue. Oh. How are you? Is that what you call it? Is this yeah, sky blue? Sky blue. Baby sky blue. Baby sky blue. That's my color this season. You always I think, think your I have eyes like, were baby blues. I have uh, like three shirts this color now. I think this is my color for the season. Old blue eyes. Who is that? Um, What's his name? Oh, the singer. Yeah. Uh, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Old Blue, Blue Eyes. Eyes. Yeah. Old Blue Eyes. So how was your weekend? It was memorable. It and was muddy. And memorable and muddy. Meaningful and messy. Ugh, what did you do? Go explain it for our wonderful viewers and listeners. So I mentioned this in the last yeah. podcast, what I was getting ready to do, but I went on a Kentucky <clears throat> Relay Trail Run. It's mm. a lot of words. I can't remember how it's officially called. but basically, It's it was, called the Kentucky Derby. No, that is not it. <laughs> but it is it's a relay race. Yeah. And so Brock, who's part of our community, we've actually had him on the podcast yeah. before. He's just made of a different material. He runs mm-hmm. hundred milers. He runs ultras for fun. Mm-hmm. He's getting ready to run another hundred miler called the Mohican in two weeks. Oof. Insane. But he crazy. asked me a while back if I wanted to be a part of this relay race. And they have them all over. In fact, they actually have one near here, closer than Kentucky. Um, in, a, in a few weeks, but for some reason, this is the one that worked out, I think, because of his Probably schedule. Probably because of his other race. Yeah, because of his other race. So anyways, we were four hours away in Brandenburg, Kentucky. It's like an hour outside of Louisville. And they're teams of eight, and the goal is to run 120 miles mm. in the fastest time possible. And it's not super competitive in the sense that like people are just there's I, I don't even know if there's a yeah. some sort of prize for the winner. It's really more this community that loves to run, loves trail running, loves that whole vibe. Yeah. And and so yeah, it was really interesting. Left Thursday, got there. I mean, the whole camp experience. You have an area where you just yeah. camp and there's tents and you bring your food there's a there's an area where you can sort of get supplies and food called the village area where the people that put on ragnar it's called ragnar ragnar relay ragnar rock ragnar relay yeah and so they have their own like tents where they there's a couple food trucks out and there's coffee stations wait in the morning. what did you bring because i don't picture <laughs> you as the food bringer oh well i brought some protein shakes Okay. Some power crunch that's, bars. That's basically what I would assume uh, you would a, live on. A gallon of water. I did. I did plan ahead and buy Element electrolyte packets. Okay. Uh, Tim Ferriss always talks but about like those. But like food, I didn't bring even. So I knew so it. So Brock told me that he already had the food covered, and so uh, it was actually pretty cool. So we camped out, and that first night, um, he brought his little portable grill yeah. and cooked elk burgers for mm. us, and they're actually really good. Were they? And then his brother Brian came, whose wife had prepared just a vat full of protein balls of flaxseed, and I probably ate thirty of them. They were incredible. Um, and then there's a food truck um, protein ball that had like these wild types of like hot dogs and sausages, and um, it was really interesting. Mm. And then there's a whole recovery station where they had Athletic Brewing Company, these like non-alcoholic lagers that were really cold for recovery that you drink afterwards. They're really interesting. Um, and So did you ruin your shoes? Well, so I <laughs> I didn't overinvest, but I, I, I knew one of the most integral parts of this are the shoes that you have. And so for trail running, they all say there's nothing better 
than Hoka's. Uh, the Speed Demon 5.0. But they have to be a trail shoe, right? It's, it's, a, trail it's shoe. a trail shoe. So the Speed Goat 5.0 is the, tr- is the like pinnacle trail shoe of Hoka's. Hmm. And so I bought those. I wish people would have told me that they're horrible on flat surfaces because I tried to break them in a week before and uh, when I was running in German Village kind of training for it and hated them. I told Brock, I said, man, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but I don't think I'm going to bring these. And he said, no, they feel awful on flat surfaces. You will love them on the trail. Really? They're made for the trail. Sure enough, he's right. I am so glad mm. that I brought them for the trail. Uh, so anyways, yeah, it was a whole lot of fun. I mean, it was old style camping. I realized that I'm getting older because I could not sleep on the ground. I maybe got three hours of sleep in um, over 50 something hours of Thursday through Saturday night. Did not sleep at all. And it was 15 miles a piece, which by the way, I told you, I overestimated, underestimated the difference between a flat road mile and a trail mile <laughs> yeah you did because you know i thought okay i got i got decent stamina i was i was doing six mile runs in schiller without much issue at all and and i knew that my 15 miles was going to be broken up into three legs what i didn't anticipate is some of the legs would be different so some of the legs would be only four miles and then some of the legs would be seven miles and then the trail miles of elevation Uphill. and hills and and jumping in and out of roots and like rocks and jumping over a tree. I mean, it was just insane. So the crazy part, two things I'll just say, we won't spend too much time here. Number one, I thought about this while I was there. It has been really fun for me over the last few years to be in and observe so many different cultures. Hmm. <laughs> Kentucky <laughs> culture or uh, running uh, culture? What I mean by that is... So, like, I went to support uh, Tommy last year when he went to his bodybuilding competition. It's an entire culture. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an entire Mm -hmm. culture of just, it's just interesting. The the lingo, the vernacular, the vibe, the feel when you go into a bodybuilding competition. And it's just fun to be able, it's been fun for me to be able to open up my mindset even more. Yes. But it's been really because you, you all and you joked with me afterwards. So does that make you want to do uh, a show? I said absolutely not. <laughs> not only am I not built for a show, but I have no <laughs> desire to do a show. But it was interesting to observe it. Yeah. Same thing going into this. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting being around the trail running culture. And and Brock asked me afterwards, like, do you want to do more of these? I was like, not necessarily. <laughs> but if we got a crew <laughs> together, it'd be fun. But I did enjoy it. It's been fun just to be around because yeah. yeah. I started picking on them. I said, okay. I noticed right away in this trail running culture, uh, several things. Number one, none of you have Apple products. You all have Androids oh, for phones for some reason. Okay. Number two, you all choose to use military time on purpose, and I don't know why. Um, number three, you all have the same weird generic old watches that you wear halfway up your arm. Um, and, uh, I said, <laughs> and then they have their own language. Like he was, he said, I, I, finally, you know me, I can't help. I eventually start laughing. He said, what are you laughing about? I said, I'm just having a blast listening to the language i said if i hear one more time the phrase yeah i was deep in the pain cave i said (laughs) then i don't know what i'm going to do with myself and just hearing their different you know lingo is just it was it was fun but it was the best group of guys yeah and i and you know i'll say this this was an interesting thing while i was doing it i was like this is okay this is fun i'm glad i did it i'm you know do hard things that whole thing but I didn't love it as much until afterwards. Looking back, it actually meant more. Mm. I'm like, oh, wow, the, the sense of accomplishment, the sense of camaraderie, yeah. looking back at my time with the guys, what we endured. <laughs> and now I kind of really want to get a group of guys See, and do it again. Um, it's probably the same for any of those guys running marathons, ultra 
marathons, 100 yeah. milers. I can't imagine any of it feels good while you're doing it. No. And I will say the worst part is I told you, and this is my last little thing on it, is so I ran four, four and a half miles, and it was a pretty brutal trail. And then I was like, four, like brag. four or five hours. No, no. Took you four or five hours? No, four or five hours later was my next leg, oh. and that was about four miles. And that's when I realized, oh, I'm not as in shape as I thought I was. I'm already so tired and sleep-deprived. And it was actually – it was pretty brutal. The toughest part was the moment I got done with my second leg, it began pouring. I mean raining and didn't stop raining for nine hours. I finally fell asleep for a few minutes, and around 4 a.m., Brock nudged me in the tent, and he said, hey, I just have to level with you. Your last and final leg, number one, is your longest leg. It's seven miles. It's going to primarily be in the dark. And people are returning and telling us that the trails are absolutely wasted now. They are nothing but standing water, mud, and muck. So my last leg was seven miles in the dark while it's raining through nothing but muck. And it took me about three times the amount of time of a normal run. It took me about Ended up, what would have been about an hour and 15, 20 minutes took me close to three hours. That's to, as long as it takes people to run marathons. Yeah. In about three hours. Oh. And I found out later, and I'm glad I, I uh, gave myself a little bit of permission to go slower. Because yeah. he told me, he said, do not try yeah. to do this fast. Just try to be safe and try to complete it. Yeah. He said, because it is dangerous. Like people. So I found out later that some of the people that did my same trail ended up falling, sliding off through a mudslide into the river. And taking them about 30 minutes to get out. There are people that have done this for Jeez. years that told me that trail, that leg, yeah. was one of the toughest they've ever seen in their life. Wow. So it, but it was, it was a you. whole lot of fun, and um, I'm, I'm here in one piece. And, uh, I don't know how yeah. you survived that. That's, that's impressive. So it was fun. Mm. My weekend was nothing like that. <laughs> so I got no stories to tell. That's pretty good. Mm. Mm. Well, glad to have you back. And today I thought we could talk about something. Particularly that's right at this table. Okay. Oh, what's that? Uh-oh. Your hat. My hat. Yeah, you're wearing because a hat. I don't think I've a, ever uh, seen. Is this new? It is new. It's, it's, okay. It's inspiring a thought. It's inspiring a thought. Okay. My my hat. If you're not watching on YouTube, says these are the good old days. Yeah, I don't think you could see that from the camera. It's pretty okay. far away. It says these are the good old days. These are the good old days. Yeah. What are the good old days? So, one of the reasons I bought this hat. Yeah. Number one, I like the design. I loved the kind of style and vibe of it but also because i tend to be a very nostalgic person Mm. at times to my detriment where i can get stuck in nostalgia what's the best decade ever (laughs) not a decade what's the best best decade ever 90s 90s yeah i think we all agree i think everybody listening right now agrees even those that weren't alive but i think i told you even on a serious note like i've been trying to remind myself I've had the last couple years as a church, especially, I've had ups and downs in my own life like we always do. But, man, these are really sweet days we're in. Yes. And I don't want to get attached to them where I don't change, but I also don't want to do what's so easy to do, which is take it for granted Mm -hmm. and be, you know, I heard somebody say one time, you know you're in trouble when you have more grievance than gratitude Mm -hmm. in your spirit. Yeah. And I want to remind myself how good these days are. I agree. And um, there's this, you're not, I know you're not an Office fan, but there's this. Um, I like the Office. There's this amazing quote. I, I think it's in the season finale in one of the most emotional scenes. And it's going around and all the Office characters are, you know, saying their goodbyes to the mm-hmm. camera. And then Andy, he said, man, I get chills even as I think about it. It's one of the greatest lines. He goes, man, I wish there was a way to know that you were in the good old days while you're in them. Mm-hmm. 
And I always just love that thought, like, how much more could we savor life and appreciate life? Because you always mm. think the season before you is the good old days. Right. Um, and so for me, it was just, it kind of, the hat was also kind of a meaningful reminder, like, um, cause I'm always going to, I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to struggle with vision right. and being excited about the future, but I can struggle at times with getting stuck in nostalgia. Mm. And so for me, it's a reminder, like these, these, are, the, are, the these are the good old days. There's even a proverb that says it's unwise mm-hmm. to say, I wish that I was back in the good old days. Mm. So these are the good days. What, what translation would that be? I don't know quite that verse. He's going to look it up. I'm just messing with you. I just don't recognize the... I was waiting for you to mm-hmm. say something that would jog my memory exactly mm. the way it is. But these are the good old days. So I was thinking about something I heard recently. I was listening to a message that just kind of sparked my mind that I thought we could talk about. And it's funny you just wore this hat because I feel like it kind of plays into it a little bit. And um, Ecclesiastes 7.10. Okay, so that's not Proverbs. Do but not, it is the same author. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wait, wait. Well, another translation says, don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Mm. Ecclesiastes 7.10. That's good. I like it. Um, don't long for the good old days. So jumping, I'm bad jumping, at that. Off, jumping off that, I, I, was, I was really thinking as I was listening to a message and it made my mind just started spinning and kind of going off thinking about mm-hmm. um, stepping into the future mm-hmm. and why it is that change is so hard Mm. you know why is it that and here's what i've I've been thinking in my head there are some things that i'm thinking about my own life and rhythms and things that i want to do or things that i want to change that i know in my head it's what i want but for some reason i don't seem to get there Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you have any of those in your head because i do i've got Mm. Like lately, I've been saying, I've been telling my wife, when like, you keep not becoming what you tell yourself you're going to become. Yes. And that's the problem. Like, I keep not becoming what I keep <laughs> saying. I'm a, so here's one like, story of my life eating, <laughs> eating better. Like, lately, yeah. I've been just like, I'm not had the greatest discipline. And mm-hmm. I did for so long, but I have not, like, recently. I think we feel like we've had a lot of events, a lot of other things. And I've just slipped back into these, you know, some old habits. And I keep going, I know I need to, I know I need to eat better. I know I need to do have better discipline in those, and I want to get ready for summer. You get summer, you know. There's always winter. Mm-hmm. It's like bodybuilders, mm-hmm. but I'm not a bodybuilder. But mm-hmm. it, bodybuilders, right? You bulk yes. up in the winter, yeah, and then you lean out for the summer, yeah. So I need to lean out for the summer, but yeah. I'm I keep telling myself I need to do it, but I don't. Yeah. And I was, it just made me think in life mm-hmm. how. Often we recognize change that we need mm-hmm. and we want, mm-hmm. but for some reason, I think it's really hard to get there. Yes. You notice that? Yes. Is that true in your life or no, not? No, it's very, it's- very true. Um, don't even know where to start, but I, I, I think it is so much more natural. You know, they say one of the things that's inevitable in life, the only thing that's inevitable in life is change. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. o- other than they said, what's the, <laughs> the only thing that's certain is death and taxes. Yeah. The only other thing that's certain is change. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it is really hard to be the progenitor of your own change. Mm. It is really <laughs> difficult to escape the inertia of whatever your current patterns are, your current way of thinking is, your current way of doing it. It's, it's, it's uh, it's nearly impossible. And we don't like 
when someone else pulls us yes forward yes like there's a there's a part of us like you're talking about nostalgia mm-hmm. you know i was thinking about how if you ask anybody depending on when they lived mm-hmm. you know what genre of music you like what are some things you know you like most people seem to go back to a time in their past yeah when maybe mm-hmm. it was good times good old days mm-hmm. whatever it is you know yeah. like um I, I asked you that the other day i said what decade was the best for music hmm. and i think we would both say mm-hmm. probably the 90s yeah i mean the 90s had the best it, music right and I do mean, you ever get <laughs> it's, it's so funny because i've been nostalgic since i was a little since i was a kid yeah you know what's crazy i remember in third grade me and my cousins, because I think my cousins are kind of wired like me. Maybe a bit of it is in the genes, but me and my cousins, I remember in the third grade reminiscing on second grade summers. <laughs> I remember in fourth grade, in me and my grade. cousins being nostalgic over, oh, man, those second grade summers yeah. were just the best. And, and, and so, and you know what's really interesting is someone, uh, when I was on the way to Kentucky this past week <clears> in the car, <throat> Brock and Sarah's wife, they were talking about how 2019 was like the greatest year for them ever. Hmm. And it just got me thinking. And I ended up because I make a highlights of the year every single year. And I went back and I realized like of on a personal level, the my best year that I have had since I've been in Columbus, Ohio, my favorite year is 2019. Really? And yeah. And uh, that's interesting. It, yeah. And I, so I wonder I, if it's because of everything after that we compared <laughs> yeah. to. It was like it went downhill from here, but it might be. And there's some personal reasons for yeah. that. But I, I was looking at my highlights of 2019, and 2019 was probably my most joy filled year. Wow. Um, and I was just looking back through it, and I was like, I'm getting nostalgic <laughs> over this year. That's funny. And how much better so, are most things yeah. in my life, in the church? And, uh, but it, it can be really easy. I, I think part of it, not to, I know we're not going to spend a ton of time psychoanalyzing. We want to talk about on maybe a bigger <clears throat> arena, bigger spectrum. I do think part of it sometimes is when enough disappointment mingles with fear, mm-hmm. it being hard to escape the belief that all the best things are behind you. Oh, yeah. And if you believe all the best things are behind you, yeah, it, it is really – I mean, <clears throat> one of the ways to continue to taste the best of what you think you'll ever have is to stay connected to it in your memories and stay connected to it in your emotions mm-hmm. and stay connected to it. Even grieving can be a way of reliving and staying connected to what you're convinced is the best you'll ever have. Yeah. Um, and when there's a lack of vision and hope for the future, yeah, the only thing left to do mm-hmm. is to retreat in your mind and your memories and your emotion to what's behind you. Yeah. And that's why people relive the glory days and Mm -hmm. the good old days yeah or um this is when i was at my best or Mm -hmm. that relationship or whatever it may be and and so i think nostalgia disappointment pain lack of vision those can all be emotional reasons Mm -hmm. why it's hard to change and move forward well i think you tapping into something that i i've been processing as i was thinking about this because i'm you're more nostalgic than i am Mm -hmm. i'm not as nostalgic i don't think back and go gosh man 2013 that was just an amazing year (laughs) like literally i feel like i have um i don't know if it's the the way my mind's wired i literally almost never think about the past Hmm. yeah like i'm just not like if something happens it forces me and i'm like oh yeah that was good but i don't ever just Hmm. i never think about the past i don't think about 2019 oh that was a great year i just i don't my mind i think i'm just not wired very nostalgic 
But I don't think, so what I guess I want to point out, I don't think that it's only nostalgic, mm-hmm. you know, someone who's really nostalgic, because I'm not nostalgic, but I can still struggle with it. Yeah. But you said something that I do think is really, I, I, I want to peel back the layers of why we don't, because I think there's all these mm-hmm. superfluous um, answers we can give for, like, why is change hard, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that some of it is biological. I think some of it is is physical. I think our brains are designed mm-hmm. that when it finds something good, mm-hmm. that it creates neurons mm-hmm. to support that mm-hmm. through survival, through other things. And so what it does is it creates patterns. I mm-hmm. talked about that a few weeks ago when yeah. we were doing mental health, and I talked about the basal ganglia and the part of the brain that's mm-hmm. part of reward and uh, habit forming yeah. and in repetition. And so they kind of go together. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, when you have a good year, when you have a big moment mm-hmm. um, and, and something it, that's almost euphoric, that's just there's joy, there's celebration, there's this, your brain really releases chemicals and your brain mm-hmm. is telling your body, this is good, I need more of this. Mm-hmm. And so our brains, I think, wire into patterns. Yep. And I think sometimes that locks us into that mode. Mm-hmm. I also think that one of the big things that really maybe keeps us from stepping forward though is really our emotional attachment mm-hmm. that happens in certain seasons. Yep. I was thinking about how, you know, when something good happens in your life or when you're in need of something and then it, mm. you find it, you know, you're searching for something that you create an emotional attachment that probably also is wired with your brain, mm-hmm. but you create an emotional attachment to that thing. And I wonder if emotional attachment is actually the greatest enemy for change in our life. Hmm. That, yes, I understand we have habits and we have things that we've, but Mm -hmm. but beyond that, I Mm -hmm. think on a deep level that we we ascribe, you know, like you said, even those kind of moments that Mm -hmm. become so personal, so important in our lives, that it becomes the very thing that really blocks us from moving forward because as you said we we almost are measuring everything in the future mm-hmm. with that yeah because we're trying to keep that as yeah. long as you're trying to keep that feeling you're trying to keep that environment you're trying mm-hmm. to keep those people sure as long as you can because you feel like that's it yeah and i think it's one of the things um i mean it's, it's such an interesting thought and there's so many places you could go with it because i think you can develop an emotional attachment to places. You can mm-hmm. develop an emotional attachment to things. You can develop an. You obviously can develop an emotional attachment to people. Yeah. Um, and and they and may they, not be good for you. And they may not be good for you, or they could be good for you, or they could be good for you in a season. I think. Yeah. You know, one. I heard somebody say one of the the weights of people who love deeply is it's a sword that cuts both ways when you love deeply mm. because. That also means if you're not careful, you can create emotional attachments. Hmm. It's some spiritual language at times. If that attachment goes across a certain line, is uh, you know, kind of big language is a soul tie, mm-hmm. where you almost have to sever yep. um, what became an attachment in a season. And it, so, there's probably an art of how do you let people in, how do you let experiences in richly and deeply, without becoming tethered either to the wrong things. Or not knowing how to hold with an open hand the mm. way that God is doing something in, in, in a season of your life. So, like an example we talk about would be church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
on a faith context, falling in love with Jesus. It's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. In in a weird way, I want to have an emotional attachment to God. Yeah. If I'm not careful, I can develop an emotional attachment with the way that I came to God. Yeah. Um, You know, you come to God in a certain type of church with a certain type of format and Mm -hmm. a certain type of feel and a certain type of song and a certain type of... And if I'm not careful, sometimes we... Um, our emotional attachment becomes emotional associations, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and it's an emotional attachment by association. And therefore, if something changes um, in the way God does something, we see this with the children of Israel. Yeah. Anytime God did something, they'd become attached with the way he did something. Yep. <laughs> and so he would always switch up. Yeah. He would still provide, but he would switch up the way he provides. Yeah. He would heal, but he'd switch up the way he heals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's a great observation you have. I think in general, in so many areas of life, we struggle with emotional attachment Yeah. instead of centering ourselves on something deeper. Hmm. I think that, um, I, yeah, I love that. I think we could even probably take that analogy a little bit deeper. Just I've been in ministry for 20 years and you've been in ministry for a really long time as well. Maybe what, 30, 33 years that you've been in ministry. And, um, (laughs) I'm trying to make you older, like you always tell me, but I, I have definitely seen that through the years that I think we can, we can find something in one season Mm -hmm. that we so desperately needed Mm -hmm. that we can create an emotional dependency. Mm -hmm. Like, on not only that, but like what you said, mm-hmm. the way in which we needed it yes. and we received it. Yeah. And I've seen that kind of throughout the years in church life. And I, and I think this could be challenging for every single mm-hmm. one of us because we all have, we all have preferences. We all right. have things that we like. I think, you know, when someone comes looking for a church mm-hmm. and we get this experience on a weekly basis, when we get to talk to new people that show up and get to ask them what brought you here, you know, and there's a variety of things. It's pain. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the biggest things when people are struggling, they're hurting, pain mm-hmm. in their life. They're like, I, I need something. Yeah. I need something. So they, the church, um, when people are in a low spot in their life, it's, it's just a time when they tend to go. When they have kids, mm-hmm. we hear sometimes, you know, well, we have kids and they get to an age and it's like, I grew up in church and so I wasn't going, but I, I want my kids to grow up in an environment. I want them to have a foundation or they're asking questions and I don't have answers. So, mm-hmm. you know, so there, there's different seasons in which we find ourselves looking for a church. Yep. And what do we do when we look for a church, right? We go to a place, we, tro- we go looking for a place that is going to be comfortable, a place that is going to be welcoming, a place that's going to have things that we need. And when you do finally have maybe you find the place or you have an encounter with God in that place mm-hmm. or you come in in the church, like everything about that church appeals to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I know is the people who are most excited about our church are usually the people who have been here less than a year. Yeah. Right? Yep. Because because it's they found something that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they found a relationship with God in an environment they didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I, we've heard people say, I didn't know church could be like this. Yeah. Maybe their environment growing up was very different, and they like this. Mm-hmm. And I know that what we do and how we do it stylistically, our methods, our strategy is very different than other churches. Yep. Um, I just had an interesting conversation with a guy this last weekend. It was his first time he came, and, and he seemed like he really liked it. And so I was talking to him for a moment, and he said, can I ask you a question? He said, um, I noticed that you all don't have crosses <laughs> hanging up and, and like in the building. And I said, yeah, we don't. And so then I kind of explained, you know, it's like, I was just wondering why that is. 
And so I started to kind of explain a little bit of kind of just, you know, who we're trying to reach. And, and a lot of people that have been turned off to the church and that, you know, even sometimes the symbols that they've seen in, in environments like that have been kind of the things that turned them off. And so we, we try to remove, you know, so I was going through all this and he was like. Which you're not oh. saying because of the cross is offensive. No, no, no. I'm just saying their experience in the church or what they encountered through Rel- those places. Yeah. Religious imagery yeah. gives off a very like unapproachable place. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, no. It wasn't a cross, but I told him it was people that have had certain experiences right. that they've kind of stepped away from God because of their religious experience, not because of God. Yes. And so I, I was explaining, I said, no, we believe very much in Jesus. And he was like, oh, no, I can tell, you know, because of the mm-hmm. message. He was yeah. like, no, I can tell. I was just, I was, I was curious. And so, um, but, but there's a, as, but a, it's interesting as a side note, not to interrupt, as a side note, isn't it interesting? Doesn't that seem like a very Catholic question? To yeah. want, I know I because I, I've gotten that question before too. Yeah. Churches I've worked at, yeah. of why you don't have a cross. Yeah. That seems like a very Catholic emphasis because if you were going to have a symbol, why wouldn't you have an open tomb through the wall? <laughs> just a big opening <laughs> with a. I just have a big open slightly through the wall. removed uh, <laughs> stone. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting that uh, the Christianity has been um, kind of symbolized mm-hmm. by the cross, mm-hmm. and and there's so much. There's so much importance in obviously right. what Jesus did on the cross. And right. we, so I'm not, we're not belittling that, but there's also no prescription necessarily for the church yeah. to, you know, take the symbol of torture and pain and punishment and suffering and make right. that, you know, the, the, I don't know, the arc over the, you know, the buildings or the church, but, right. and we don't have anything against them. It's just that we, we you know, it's a, it's a method. It's a, a strategy right. we, we, that we have done to try to reach people that don't feel comfortable Right. And so, you know, it, it, you could see him. It's just, oh, yeah, no, I, I understand. Thanks for telling me, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but it made me kind of just realize that in different seasons of our life, when we are desperate for change, mm-hmm. that when we find that hope or we find something that brings that change into our life, we create an emotional attachment with that moment. We create an emotional attachment with that place. Yep. We create an emotional attachment with that. And, and it, that can be a good thing. It can mm-hmm. be a great thing. I love it when people will say, I love my church. Or, I mm-hmm. love it when people, I love this community. I love it. I, lo- I enjoy that so mm-hmm. much. The, the challenge comes is that as that community, that church, mm-hmm. that changes mm-hmm. as it evolves, yep. as it grows, mm-hmm. what we can find is that a lot of times we start to not change with it yep. or not like the change. Right. And we've seen that over the years. Mm-hmm. I've seen that over the years. Yeah. It changed the wall color. I remember when we moved to our first kind of um, building, first building we owned. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that we went in to do, and again, this was at the time, and who knows, it might be, might be changing in the future. But we went in and we painted the ceiling, not black, but like really, really, it was like one shade off of black. The only reason why we did that is because someone was freaking out. Again, we're a small church and we're trying to manage it. Someone was freaking out because they thought if we painted the ceiling black that it would be satanic. <laughs> and, and again, you got to remember, this is back yeah. 15 years ago, okay? So this was kind of like before a lot of churches, you know, in our area were really moving to try to create more of a, a modern environment mm-hmm. that was a little darker and light, you know, lights and some of that things, that, you know, have been very popular now. And, and it was just like the the backlash Mm -hmm. over doing something like that. It was like you were taking something sacred 
away from it. I didn't know the color of the ceiling in the auditorium was sacred, but, but, but you know it was a funny? sacred cow, as they say, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's funny is it's 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 one of those ironic things that people gravitate many times towards a place like this because the spirit of this place makes it different. Yeah. And then become surprised and offended when we continue to be different. <laughs> the the thought that just came to my mind is so many times it seems like people love a pioneer until they continue to pioneer. Mm-hmm. They love <laughs> yeah. a revolutionary until mm-hmm. they continue to revolutionize. Mm-hmm. It's so true. <laughs> Isn't that true? Yeah, like, it's absolutely true. They, 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 they say, man, I have fallen in love with this place. It's so revolutionary, and I hope they camp out here forever. So I, <laughs> I had – think about that, right, the irony of that. I had a pastor say to me as a friend of mine, we are getting ready to move into this facility – um, this is well, it's probably about three years ago before we moved in here. And I remember having him tell me, he said, no, I'm just going to tell you something that someone else told me because they moved into their building before we did. Um, there are a lot of people who've been with you for a long time that will absolutely love, love y- your church, mm-hmm. but you move into the new building within one year, they're going to leave. I remember that. You remember I had I me bring in, in, I, in I, I brought him. Oh, I brought him in to, yeah. to stay at tour staff. We, we were in either. the Lancaster. And, right, we're, and we're in here. Yeah. And, uh, and, this, and you're, and you're kind of like, no. And he was like, trust me. He said, there are people who, who gave sacrificially because they believe it, that like they, they saw the need for it. They saw that we were out of room. Mm-hmm. They, they knew the heart behind doing it and all that. And then the moment you go into a new space, they say, this doesn't feel like the same church. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it's a different building, yeah. but we're the same church. But then as we grow, and so through the years, here's what I know, and I want to apply this back. Oh, my gosh. To, I want to play it, but take I, it back to a personal level. But, but can I just get put a little addendum on this? I got a taste of that a year before that when in March of 2019, I renovated the Lancaster campus. <laughs> 60-year-old movie theater with carpet that was falling apart with worms and (laughs) colors that made on the walls that made angels weep i I mean this place was 50 years in the past and Mm. disgusting and i thank god for it but we i mean (laughs) with the little bit of money that you know because we knew we never knew how long we're going to be in there but a little bit of money we tore out the carpet. We stained the concrete. Mm-hmm. We put fresh white paint on the walls. We modernized. I had a friend fly in that had been part of it, and he goes, okay, this is- you guys just took um, a space that was several decades in the past and took it into the future. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, now we look back, we're in here, and yeah. it's nothing. But I'll never forget, in my naive mind, I'm expecting people to walk in and be like, you know, Follow my thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I had some people say, "Why are we just going to leave this concrete the way it is?" What uh, a man kind of feels a little different. And I'm like, "I, I, they're going to take me to prison for murder." <laughs> I, are you what? But it is so crazy. People, it, we yeah. resist change. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of times, even if the change in some of our minds could be better, we we won't even allow ourselves to go there. And I think a lot of times. It's not an intentional thing. I think it's not. I think it really goes back to that emotional attachment. Yes. I think we attach a significant moment in our lives. And again, using this illustration for the church, because a lot of times people come to church because they're struggling. They have an encounter with God. Mm -hmm. They have a moment. And what happens is they isolate that moment and they, as you said, an attachment Mm -hmm. and they associate God Mm -hmm. with that moment. Yeah. But here's the thing. God said, I'm doing a new thing. Mm-hmm. 
God is always on the move. Yeah. I, I, I want us to think about like this. Time is always flowing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get stuck in a moment of time. Stuck and we, in a moment and can't get out of it. I love this. Just keep going. Got yourself stuck. Yeah, yeah, second, yeah, you yeah, too? Just, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just, yeah. I just, I'm enjoying that moment. Are you enjoy, I'm, enjoy, I'm stuck in this moment me? now. Stuck <laughs> no, in I know. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. But I think we can get, like, I think if we want to know Talk to me, the way God is, okay, I think if we want to understand, and this is a unique construct, but if we want to understand God, I think we just think about time. Mm-hmm. Time is always moving. Time is never static. Mm-hmm. It's never standing still. When I look in scripture, you know, I think about the fact that, you know, God says to the nation of Israel in Isaiah 43, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Mm-hmm. Do you not perceive it? Yeah. And I think a lot of times we, we, are, uh, we become obsessed with, because of emotional attachment, with how something was done, the method of it, the way it looked, the environment, that when it changes, that we resist it. Mm-hmm. And I think the same, you can, you can apply that back, happens in our own lives personally. On an organizational level, it's that way. But I think personally, we can fall so in love with one season in our life that we actually don't look forward and we don't create a better future for mm-hmm. ourselves in, mm-hmm. in the future because we are emotionally attached to what that season mm-hmm. brought into mm-hmm. our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is one of the reasons why even in church life people get stuck on a method yeah, instead of just falling in love with the mission. Right. Yep. You know, or, or we've said before, you know, people fall, are more in love with their preference of mm-hmm. church rather than the purpose of the church. Yeah. Yep. And I, I want our community, our church, mm-hmm. to continually mm-hmm. be evolving and changing. Yeah. And you know what? I think— Because I want to continue to grow and change and evolve. Yeah. Yeah. I just think—I'm trying not to go too deep here because we have very real examples of this. But <laughs> I think— um, <laughs> We always have fresh and real examples <laughs> yeah. of this. This is not—but this but is an ongoing know, thing that I've experienced be, in church life. But you know life. what? I think it's okay— I think one of the ways that you bust out of this, let me just say this, whether mm-hmm. it's me or somebody else, I think one of the ways you bust out of this is by just being honest and acknowledging it. Yeah. Sometimes what I have observed, like you said, is usually the people that are the most excited are the people that are brand new. Um, I, and I, and I just say this because I've known people that have followed Jesus for 20 years, been a part of our church for 10 to 15 years, will get caught up on a small preference thing, mm-hmm. but will use the argument, but hey, if somebody new comes in, yeah. or that doesn't know God comes in, they'll be frustrated. And the irony is always, people new come in actually don't care. It's you yeah. that care. And part of what I want to say sometimes is don't feign a burden you don't have mm-hmm. to cover up for preference. Yeah. And I think sometimes we just, it's okay just to be honest and say, man, change sucks. Mm -hmm. Man, this is not my preference. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm really struggling um, with, I I mean, let's just be honest. All of us as humans sometimes struggle with entitlement. Yeah. Um, And we get used to something the way it is. And like you said, you know, Annie Stanley, marry your mission, date your method. Mm -hmm. We fall so in love with the mission. We fall, we could say it this way. We fall more in love with the style of something than the spirit behind something. Mm -hmm. We fall more in love with the carpet around Mm -hmm. something than the character of something. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you said preference. I I, I think you could say it this way. Sometimes we fall more in love with the program than the purpose. One of the examples we were giving on an organizational level, I told you I thought about was small groups. Yeah. 
in, in the church world, there's been kind of this phrase over the last 10 to 15 years, and mm-hmm. a lot of it comes from Church of Highlands, a large church in Alabama, and they have a large church playing network called ARC, and one of the phrases that they use is, we're not a church with groups, we're a church of groups. Mm-hmm. And the the and really it's it's this power of community mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, part of the purpose is getting you know New Testament Acts two everybody's in homes. Mm-hmm. Rick Warren, how you know the, the staggering statistic that there's more people in his small groups mm-hmm. than in his Sunday morning gatherings, mm-hmm. and that the power of the church is in the community, and so the intent behind it is good, um, but a lot of us you know just kind of adopted that we're not a church um, with groups we're a church of groups. Mm-hmm. To the point where every metric of health was around how many people were in small groups. Right. And you have to be in small groups. And almost at times, we probably, if we're just being really honest, I'll just point at myself, probably almost this unhealthy pressure maybe at times yeah. or judgment. Why, why are you not in a small group? Right. Um, and let me clarify. I believe in small groups. Right. I, I'm getting ready to lead a small group again mm-hmm. here in two weeks. We just mm-hmm. had our small group yeah. launch. I got friends that I invited to church who now have their lives changed through small groups. I think they're powerful. Mm-hmm. I think they'll always be important. Yeah. But I think one of the things, especially coming out of COVID, as we've just reassessed, we're like, hey, have we fallen in more in love with the um, input than the output? Mm-hmm. Have we fallen more in love with the um action than the result yeah because the truth is there are people who um organically are great at creating community befriending people and they have a ton of healthy community around them Mm -hmm. they also have seven kids currently with a busy schedule and so the way their personality and schedules are wired small group for this season isn't their thing but the purpose behind small groups community still exists in their life yeah and so all that to say, I think there's there's so many things that we got to be careful. We don't fall more in love with the program than we do the purpose. Right. With the preference than we do the purpose. With the method than we do the mission. Um, and uh, I think a lot of things, especially in this day and age, are becoming more either or both and than either or. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it goes back. I want to say this. I, I think one of the ways that you remain flexible and open-handed is actually by having deeper anchors. And what I mean by that is, you know, for me, when I gave my life to Jesus and fell in love with the church, um, for all that I've done wrong, one of the things I'm glad I think happened in a healthy way is my anchor in church was not around a style. Yeah. It was not around a style of music. It was not around, I'm sure I grew attachments to that, but as nostalgic as I am it's always been about the mission of jesus mm-hmm. it's always been about i go into church and you know tommy tenney he used to say so whenever like esther you go into the courts mm. you've got to be the kind of person who when you mature you know how to lift your eyes above the courts yeah in other words you stay in church long enough you're going to be disappointed mm. there's going to be people issues there's going to be frustrations You've got to have a deep enough anchor and purpose of why you go to church mm-hmm. that even when all the horizontal stuff is going crappy, yeah. you have enough horizontal something going with God to where that anchors you to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and when your anchor, look, community matters at church. Mm-hmm. Having preaching that engages with you matters. All, all of these things matter, feeling like God's called you there. But at the end of the day, I've got to have something deeper anchoring me <laughs> to go there God's put me here. Mm-hmm. I'm going, even if I hate the music in this season or I'm not receiving from the preaching in the season or whatever else, 
I'm going for God. Mm-hmm. I'm going because yeah. God's presence is there, and this is the bride of Jesus, and he is actually, this is what he put on the earth to change the earth, and he's called me to be a part of it, mm-hmm. and he's called me not to neglect it or forsake it. And so even if everything goes to crap or I yeah. disagree with a judgment or a call or I disagree with this or I disagree with that, I've got enough of a deep anchor mm-hmm. of a closed hand of what's ma- of what matters, mm-hmm. then I can hold all the other things with an open hand. Yeah. And I just think that's a powerful place to be mm-hmm. um, in, in our lives to say my anchors are going to go deep enough to where I can be adaptable with everything else. Yeah. I can be adjustable mm-hmm. with everything else. Yeah. I can, I can be open-handed with all the other secondhand mm-hmm. peripherals. Yeah. I think it's a great thing to actually assess in our own lives too, personally, not mm-hmm. just in the world of faith or church, but just in general, what are, th- what are the things in our own life that have stopped growing? Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about, um, as a parent, you know, when, when I, when my daughters were young and they're mm-hmm. little, you know, all we want for them is to grow up and we want them to change mm-hmm. in a good way mm-hmm. because we know that as they get older, that they're going to mature. They're going to be, you know, mm-hmm. more equipped. They're going to be better adults, better people, you know? Yeah. So there's things, it's, it's so interesting how, when, when, it's like until you reach an age, mm-hmm. it's like we expect growth. Yeah. When we're young, we expect to grow up. Yeah. When when we you know when we're parents, we expect our kids to grow mm-hmm. until they like go off to college or until they're like twenty something years old, and <laughs> but, then but, and then it's like don't don't we don't expect change. Yeah, but but even then, you know, it's funny not to ruin your flow of thought, but it's so funny. I, I can laugh at this because I'm a non-parent, and maybe one day I'll understand. But what's hilarious to me is all my young parent friends post pictures of their kids from a year ago when they're smaller with uh, uh, crying face emojis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh my! They've yeah. grown. They've changed. They've grown up. Please don't ever grow up. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't that the emotional attachment that happens with <laughs> our kids when they, you know we go look back and go, oh my gosh, they were like that. Whereas I'm, I'm enjoying maybe again a little bit how I'm wired. I'm less nostalgic. I mean, go back and look pictures, and you know, I got as my girls are older and, and they're kind of now developing their own lives, you know, I, I can look at that and kind of be really sad over that. Or I can look ahead to mm-hmm. what the relationship looks like as friends yeah. with adults and yeah. realize that it, it can be beautiful, but it's right. going to change. Yes. And I, if I continue to treat them mm-hmm. like they were seven and not treat them like they're 20, yeah. then the relationship's not going to go well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, just even in our own lives, thinking about the, um, I forget who, who's the author, but I love that book, um, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Marshall Goldsmith. Yeah, because I remember your team did it like a while ago. But that whole idea is something we need to adopt mm-hmm. for life, yeah. for every a- aspect of life, mm-hmm. is that what got me here won't get me there tomorrow. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we are afraid of of any kind of change and stepping into new and because we are holding on to a moment in the past that mm-hmm. we won't let go of. Hey, mm-hmm. we can nostalgia. It's okay to remember. It's okay mm-hmm. to celebrate. It's not okay to hold on to it so tightly that you can't get pulled into the future mm-hmm. because you're holding on yeah. to a moment in the past. Yeah. And there was a, a quote that uh, um, I, um, Erwin McManus, I was listening to a message that he said that I thought was just that was just phenomenal. He said this, you can't create the new 
without becoming new. Hmm. Hmm. I'll say it again. You yeah. can't create the new without becoming new. That's good. And I just, I love that because I think mm-hmm. um, so many of us, we have this in our minds. We, we spent most of our young life and everything growing up thinking about the life that we're going to create. Then at some point we stop creating. Mm-hmm. And yep. we just started living. Yeah. And the moment you stop creating the new and you just start living in what you have, you are stuck. Yeah. You are not going to move forward. And I want to grow as a person. Yeah. I still, I look back the last five years of my life and go, I've grown more as a person in the yeah. last five years than I did the previous years combined. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Like, I'm glad for that. Like, yes. I'm, I'm changing. I'm yes. growing. I'm, it, if you're a person of faith, you should want that for your spiritual life. Right. If your spiritual life is not moving or growing, it's because you're stuck in an old mm-hmm. moment that you've held on to. Yeah, that's good. And I just love that idea. You can't create the new without mm-hmm. becoming new. Yeah. You cannot mm-hmm. expect things to be, you know, the future to be great mm-hmm. if you're holding on to something and you won't allow it to to kind of let it go mm-hmm. enough to say, I'm going to embrace something that is uncomfortable. It's mm-hmm. unfamiliar. It's uncertain. Stepping into the future is uncertain. It's unfamiliar. Yeah. And we're afraid of it. Yeah. And so we, we get comfortable with what we currently have now. And I think it's more than just even being comfortable. I think it's, you have to, as you said, you have to recognize your emotional mm-hmm. attachment and some emotional attachments are really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we could probably list a yeah. million of them, but there are a lot of things that are unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I think even when it comes to your church experience, mm-hmm. an emotional attachment on the environment, the room, the space, the amount of people in the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember a huge, there's a reason why a, a large portion of the people that were in our church when we were under a hundred yeah. are not here today. Yeah. It's because when they went looking for a church, there was a, something in the size of our church or maybe something mm-hmm. in our church that they really liked when we were under 100. Right. And then when it grows, they all of a sudden are like, ah, just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It doesn't feel the same. It's not the same. We moved into this new building and I had someone tell me after, you know, a year or so, they're like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like home. And I'm like, because you were so attached yeah. to our last building. Right. The church is not about a building. Right. That's, and, that's where you're attached. To, I mean, I understand. It's and also, I understand. can I just say this? It's also not about a feeling. And it's not about a feeling. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about a commitment. Either, either th- this is, I know, yeah. we're going to get more spiritual. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes want to just cut through the fluff and simplify it. Like, the way I look at it, there's a, there's a verse in Corinthians that talks about God set the members in place. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we feel like, oh, that pastor's called. Well, according to Scripture, you're called. You're called. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like to... Just the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid. Either God called you to a church or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if he did, yeah. it, it better be God that brings you somewhere else, yeah. not preference or disagreement. Or not the buildings or I don't feel the same. Or, or I, like, we've lost the art of committing ourselves to a group of people. Mm-hmm. We have. And committing ourselves to change. Yes. We're not committed to change anymore. Yeah. For the first 21 years of our life, we're committed to change. Mm-hmm. We can't wait to change. Yeah. I can't wait to grow up. I can't wait to be on my own. I can't wait well, to be an adult. What was the quote about clothes? Say oh, it. I oh, thought yeah, that was fascinating. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. So in this message, and again, this was from Erwin McManus, and so I was listening to a message that kind of got my mind spinning on all this stuff and thinking about church life. And um, but in, and I th- he referenced, I think this was a quote or something that he heard before, but how do you know when someone has stopped changing? And that's a, that's a really tricky 
thing to figure out, right? That could be really hard. How mm-hmm. do you know? I think this could be a great assessment for everybody watching or listening now. How do I know when I've stopped changing? And and this was the, the, the quote. He said, I heard someone say this once. The moment a man stopped changing his clothes is the year he stopped changing. Wow. <laughs> think about so that. So interesting. The, in other words, you got trapped mm-hmm. in the, the year that you fell in love with that fashion. And maybe you were fashion forward mm-hmm. that year. Like, oh, this is maybe I not love, this love with. Maybe, maybe I fell in love, but this is this. It felt comfortable. That's it felt the year me. you stagnated. The, the moment you stopped. Now, again, that seems really superficial. I so I, I want to just take it for what it's worth. But I think it's it's a sign. It is interesting, you know, it, because fashion always changes. Right. Music's always changing. Mm-hmm. Methods are always changing. Mm-hmm. The culture is always changing. So think mm-hmm. about this. If, if the church, and again, using our context, is going to be relevant in reaching mm-hmm. a world that's constantly changing, then we're going to have to, we're going to, have to modify the style of music. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to modify our space, mm-hmm. our decor. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to modify our yeah. methods mm-hmm. if we're going to continue to reach a world that's changing. Right. And I would argue that the reason why a lot of churches stop connecting mm-hmm. with the world, the culture, and seeing real life change happen mm-hmm. is because they got emotionally attached yeah. to a moment. Yeah, that's good. They- and they're still doing things the same way 30 years later. If our church is still looks and feels the same 20 years from now, 10 years from now, we will have stagnated. Yeah, it's weird to, it is a weird thing to serve the God of the new and stay stuck in the old. And it's uh, a... <laughs> It's so. <laughs> just, it's, it's, it's just like the irony of that. Yeah. I mean, it's and, and, and I get it in, in one sense because there there is a tension there because our message is timeless. Yes, the core essence of the gospel never changes, mm-hmm. and we don't dilute it or water it down or alter it. And uh, God never changes. And God never changes. But so what He's changes? Doing a new thing. So His method. Yes, His method. Yeah. So the miracles are still there all yes. throughout Scripture, and the character. But the method yeah. in which He did the miracles always changed. Right. And what happened, especially in the Old Testament, was they became obsessed with the method. Mm-hmm. The Isaiah 43, by the way, that passage, um, before God speaking through the prophet Isaiah tells the people of Israel, hey, behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you mm-hmm. not perceive it? Um, what he said right before that was, hey, do you remember when I parted the Red Sea mm-hmm. and I brought your ancestors through on dry ground? Yeah. Remember how awesome that was? Mm-hmm. Now forget all that. Right. He yep. says, because I'm doing a new thing. Forget yep. the past. I'm doing a new thing. But what's it crazy wasn't, in the same wasn't passage, the, he tells him to remember. Yeah, it doesn't mean, and, and ultimately I think what he's trying to say is, it doesn't mean to forget the faithfulness of God yes. and that God showed up for them. Yes. What they were obsessed with was how he did. Yes. Not the fact that he did. Yeah. Because even that, after that, when it says, um, behold, I'm doing a new thing, do you not perceive it? I will make a way through the desert and wasteland mm-hmm. and i will bring water mm-hmm. in the wasteland yeah so it's funny in the one picture it was god getting rid of the water mm-hmm. so they could walk through on dry ground mm-hmm. god uses that to juxtapose the position of and now mm-hmm. i can in a dry place bring water where it's not expected yeah and so th- i just think that that's such a great reminder for mm-hmm. all of us and this is not just about church that's just our context that i think is what comes to our mind right. and how we see it play out in our world but i think in our own personal lives i think we have to recognize that the thing that really ultimately keeps us from growing mm-hmm. i think most of us would say I don't care how 
old our kids get, I would say, I want to keep, I want to be a better dad. Mm -hmm. In order to become a better dad than I was yesterday, I have mm -hmm. to change. Yeah. I want to be a better spouse. Yeah. But you know, I want to be a better pastor. You know the problem though is, I want to be you ever, more um, in shape. I want to eat better. I want to be yeah. healthier. I want to, yeah. we all know the things that we want to do. Mm -hmm. What, what I'm challenging all of us with and myself as well, thinking is what is keeping me from actually moving forward to that? Yeah, because you know what I think about? Um, you ever heard of jojoba oil? No. What's jojoba oil? <laughs> jojoba. Jojoba oil. Jojoba I may oil. I'm saying it wrong, but I bought jojoba oil. <clears throat> jojoba oil, because um, there was a while where um, I did peppermint oil, like on my scalp. Mm. It's supposed to be really good for your hair. Essential your oils. And so, but peppermint oil. Um, undiluted is too strong and yeah. it will irritate your scalp. So you have to have what's called a carrier oil. And one of the main carrier oils that you mix it with is jojoba oil. Mm -hmm. So you mix it and sometimes you can cut it with a little bit of water and then you put a little bit on and you can rub it in your scalp. And um, I, I put this in the book, but the thought came to me a long time ago, like pain is the carrier oil for change. Mm. We almost never change without, without pain. Yes. Pain is I the, love it. Um, and so I think part of the trick is how do you, <laughs> without the carrier oil, how do you apply change mm. to your life? Um, you know, Donald Miller, you know, famous business guy now, but wrote all the best selling memoirs. And, you know, he wrote the book Blue Light Jazz, mm -hmm. memoir about his life. It blew up. Uh, filmmakers came said we want to make us a, a scene about mm -hmm. your movie about your life yeah they ended up making a movie about his life so he wrote the book a million miles in a thousand years what i learned while editing my own life and part of what he learned when they were t putting his life into a movie is they had to keep changing things and he was like why are you changing this and, and then as so they went into all this stuff, it's just not that interesting it's not that interesting <laughs> and then um he said what uh, really um stood out to him is when he ended up in the movie then having him just move away they were um they were like stuck on this scene and he's like why don't you just have him have a conversation where he moves away and they said because that's not how real life works we need a bomb to go off and he said a bomb to go off what do you mean a bomb to go off and, and, and he said, don't you understand in real life, whenever there's major change, there's always, and they said, and they said, you can watch this, any movie you watch, watch this before a character changes, there's what screenwriters call an inciting incident. Mm. Something blows up is a breakup. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of bomb goes off, mm. some sort of tragedy hits. And that's the only thing that makes characters in a movie change. Cause that's typically the, the only, only thing that makes human beings in life change. Yeah. I agree. And so most people will not change until the pain of where they are mm -hmm. becomes more unbearable than the uncertainty of the future. Yeah. So I know we're wrapping up, but how do we, without waiting for pain to come, well, <laughs> change? I think, I think you said something earlier that I, I want to go back to. I think when it comes to emotional attachments, and some people are more emotional than others, some are mm -hmm. more nostalgic than others, I think first we need to recognize what our emotional attachments are. And I think a lot of times if you want to say, where do I have an emotional attachment? And maybe to a point that it becomes, it could be a healthy thing that happened in your life, but mm -hmm. the emotional attachment can be unhealthy if it keeps you from moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the first things you do is, or how do I identify those? I think you first, I would look at the preferences that you will die on. Hmm. What are those things that you are like so passionate about? Mm -hmm. 
oh, I just music these days is just awful. It's just terrible. <laughs> like, you know, I just I had this pop top 40 stuff. Like, you remember back in the good old days when all it was was rock and that was good. Well, okay. You in in a certain space of your growth and existence, you fell in love with a style of music because it probably spoke to you in a way that it does. That doesn't mean that the music today mm-hmm. is any less creative, mm-hmm. any less moving, any less mm-hmm. this. It's just it you didn't have an emotional attachment to it. Mm-hmm. And I get that. We all have different genres and styles of music. What I would say is this. When that preference becomes a hill you'll die on, yeah, that's when you're stuck on that hill. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> when so when it's see, I'm the type that's like, yeah, I don't really love Taylor Swift. I don't really love super modern pop. I don't. But if I don't allow our church mm-hmm. to mold and shape the worship ministry. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, to in a way that will connect with people today. If yep. if I hold us back to well, worship music back in the eighties and nineties was so much better. I mean, that's what I grew up with, and we're gonna go right back to what it was. You know, go back to mm-hmm. Stephen Curtis Chapman. We're gonna go back to you know, um, Darlene Check Hill song "Shout to the Lord." You know, we're gonna go back. Hey, good stuff, great songs in it today. But if if I, I think about worship music and style of worship music, it is drastically different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, than the way it was in the 90s. Because yeah. I, I, I was a worship leader at one point, so I know stylistically the way the instruments mm-hmm. are played, the sounds. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it's just it, drastically different. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's the way music has evolved. Mm-hmm. And it's the way it's changed and yeah. what connects with the culture. And so if, if I get in the way, especially as a pastor, and I go, no, we need to do the songs that we did back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna be stuck, and so I would say it's not mm-hmm. a preference. Preferences aren't bad. I would look at what are the preferences in your life mm-hmm. that you're so passionate about yeah. that it actually it's like I I refuse to give this up. Yeah, and that's where it goes to what's deeper than my preference is my purpose. What's deeper? What's mm-hmm. the deeper anchor that I say that's the thing I should care the most about? What I should care the most about is that people have an encounter with God through the music and the mm-hmm. worship that enables them to experience yeah. him yeah. and g- brings them to a place of being able to offer their their praise to him. That's what I should care about, not the style. You know, it's funny. There's this phrase. Um, it's kind of a cliche, but it's true. And it's used a lot in church circles, talking about like purpose and having deep anchor so that you can stay, mm-hmm. you know, open-handed. Um, the phrase is, "When you lose your why, you lose your way." Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for our intents and purposes, we could change it. When you lose your why, you get caught up on the ways. Mm, I like that. When, when you, you lose your, your why, you get, get caught, caught up on the, way. on the ways. I think another thing that is, uh, I was thinking about when you brought up the clothes thing of one of the ways to bust out of the inertia of staying stuck in the past and being backwards mm-hmm. facing is the kind of people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so I'm mean, using a little analogy from this past weekend. I am towards the end of this final run, seven miles mm-hmm. in the mud. And I, the thought crossed my mind, even though, you know, Brock gave me so much credit afterwards, like, Rush, you did it, like, this incredible and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I, I kind of had this sinking feeling as difficult and almost unbearable as the trail was. I mean, I felt like I was trained for the Marines. Hmm. I, I had this, this thought that crept up towards the end of it. Rush, you're giving yourself a, almost too much permission to go slow. <laughs> now, I was aching and yeah. sore and tired and, and muddy and wet and... 
but I, I, I knew my team was waiting on me, mm. and I gave myself permission to walk a little bit more in the. I just I had that. So, anyways, I'm in the final lap. I have not lap, but like I have stretch. Final stretch. I have probably a quarter of a mile left, and this girl that I can just tell she's done this over and over again. She, um, I, I was. I'll be honest. I was kind of trotting slash walking. And she came past and you. she came past, but not just came past. She goes, Hey, you okay? I said, yeah. How are you doing? She goes, I'm good. She goes, come on. She goes, we got this. Mm. We're going to trot the, the rest of this mile. We're going to finish this strong. Come uh-huh. on. And I was like, okay. okay. Yep. <laughs> so I ran right yeah. beside her the rest of the way. That's cool. It just shows the power mm. of the people you're around that are either yeah. going to keep pulling you forward yeah, or you can just stay back in the past with them. Yeah. I think it's such a great, um, it's a great thought for, every single one of us to take inventory of the people in our lives and ask this question, Mm -hmm. do you have some people that at times make you uncomfortable because they pull you forward? Yes, it's great. Yeah, I I think we need to think about that. If everybody around you has the same preference, if everybody around you is fine with living a static life, then allow yourself to have some. And if you're part of this community, then allow us. It's not, I mean, I'm not always out there, but we're so committed to the purpose that we're not married to any method or Mm -hmm. preference or, you know, style, even our own. I got times I'm like, yeah, I don't know that this is what I would choose. I see even graphics, because I used to do graphic design a long time ago when we started, and I see where graphics have gone and where they are now. And we've Mm -hmm. got Tucker and Hannah who are just killing it, I mean, with our graphics and social media Mm -hmm. and stuff. But I look at it and I go, it looks like a fourth grader just did that and put it down. You know what I mean? But yet, Hannah and Tucker, if you're listening, that's not. A, that's so not. Sorry, we. Uh, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's not a knock. But even like our our, our design, think about for a season two mm-hmm. graphics. Mm-hmm. They literally look like they're hand drawn. Mm-hmm. But you, but what's crazy, and I know that you would point this out, is national um, Instagram. Uh, well, I now I feel old. National Instagram, national, whatever. National Instagram. No, but I mean nationally followed Instagram accounts. Oh that's yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> they, um, that of where like church creators media, gather they, are they, constantly. Oh, I would say. I mean, I'm not. I don't know if this is a brag or not. I didn't create it's them. A brag on but our, our but are constantly team. reposting our team stuff yes. more than almost any church what, in America. That's what I mean. They have <laughs> they have moved us graphically forward mm-hmm. to a place that. I'm looking at it at times going, this, this is what we want for a graphic? Like this, you know, and again, mm-hmm. I, I, but I'm also aware that this church, this community, everything about it will age out with me. Mm-hmm. And it'll be stuck in my preferences and it'll be stuck in what I enjoyed or even could be the season of growth that was most significant in our journey as a church. Mm-hmm. Could be that early things started to grow and take off and that's it. so that i here's what most people say well it worked then mm-hmm. yeah because what got you there yeah won't get you there won't get, and that's yeah. the and that so here's what you have to understand success is maybe the greatest enemy of change right mm-hmm. i'm not the first yeah. to say that we've heard that before yeah. success is a great right it worked then yep so why change it mm-hmm. because what got us here is not going to get us there yeah because everything else around us is changing and if we don't change mm-hmm. and adapt to that we are going to be left behind yeah and so I, I think that we have to, I think you, you mentioned like the people that are around you, but I would say you got to have some people in your life. Mm-hmm. They're going to pull you yeah. even a little bit uncomfortably mm-hmm. into the future. Yep. And here's a simple way. If you go, man, I don't know. Am I stuck and, and I don't, I'm not moving forward. Here's a real simple thing you can do. Go out and buy something you would never wear and wear it. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yes. Now, I, I, uh, I, I try to stay up on it. I do recognize there are some trends that I look at and go, okay, that might be appropriate for a 20-year-old to wear, <laughs> yeah. not someone my age, but mm-hmm. I want to stay in step mm-hmm. with even fashion trends mm-hmm. and other things, partially because in what I'm doing and you know what we do is speak to a vast audience yeah. is that I want there to be relatability. Mm-hmm. I want a 17-year-old mm-hmm. to sit in there and go, I can relate to him mm-hmm. versus me looking like I'm dressed like her grandfather or great-grandfather dresses. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I'm trying to be relatable, mm-hmm. but I also like it. I like yeah. fashion. I like clothes. And so I just – but I do think that that can be a real simple challenge, that whole mm-hmm. – you can tell – when a man stopped changing. Yep. And I'd say you can add a woman in that. You yeah. can tell when a woman stopped changing. Or here's another one. Mm-hmm. The, the, and I, this one might be a little bit different than clothes because it's easier to change your clothes. But, I mean, I was doing this for a while and I kind of haven't. But it's like, if you haven't changed your hairstyle at all. <laughs> you <say laughs> yeah. Yeah. At all. Now, there are some people like Trey, mm-hmm. who's in our church, who changes his hair every three weeks. Yes. I mean, it's blonde now again. Mm-hmm. And and spiky, but yes. then it'll be buzzed really soon. I, to, I think about this because, and, uh, <clears throat> but like, I don't. But I've tried changing. I've did my hair. Did, I side part. I did all that because that was yeah. trendy. My wife looks at the picture. She goes like, "I told you that wasn't a good look for you back then. <laughs> that actually makes you look older than you look now." I know you so look younger than that, you. Ever that's looked. what yeah. I mean. But that's because I. Well, that's changing my hair. I was trying not to be stuck yeah. in a season. But I. I think to wrap it all up, I think we all, on a personal level, mm-hmm. I think we all actually want change. In other words, there are things that I would look at and go, I, let me say change, growth. Yeah. I think all of us want to keep growing. I want to be wiser. I've got to grow in wisdom. I want to be uh, kinder. I want to be more loving. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I just, I want to be all, I think all of us will look at it and go, yeah, I want that. Yeah. Well, what's keeping us from doing it then? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of bad habits. Mm-hmm. But I think underlying a lot of those things, if we're really honest, this is the is there is maybe an unhealthy emotional attachment yeah. to something in one season that is keeping you from stepping into a new one. Yeah, it's good. That's good. So it's a good challenge. Great conversation. Go buy something Go buy new something that you would new. normally wear. Mm-hmm. My wife got me for, um, I think it was, I think it was Easter. It was either Easter or no, sorry, last year's Inspired Conference because I spoke at it. <clears throat> it was around Easter. We were at PacSun. The letter jacket? No. No, that was Audrey's. Oh, okay. No, we were at PacSun, and she found this shirt that she was like, dude, this shirt's so cool. You, you, should, you get this. You should wear this. And I was like, really? And my wife's great at helping me because she mm-hmm. sees you know, trends, and she's like, no, you should get that. I'm like, that? I don't wear that. She's like, no, you should. That's, that's cool. I'm like, it is? Okay. And, uh, but it was this, it reminded me of almost the 70s. It was mm-hmm. like this velour <laughs> shirt that was like had a collar velour i mean literally i feel like it was mm-hmm. and you know here's the thing about fashion fashion cycles about every 30 oh years oh my gosh you know the clothing it's, the pants the, everything comes back around so, it's it so funny so funny i remember working when i worked at the buckle and in my like early 20s i remember people like some older people would come in and they'd be like man it's so interesting this was in style when i was blah yep. blah i remember kind of like secretly judging them like man you're old now I'm watching it. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm like, that's in style. And you know what's funny? It's like the. That you know, here's what I found. Here's what I found. This is true about clothing. Um, I feel like it's about a 30 year cycle mm-hmm. for clothing. Sometimes a little less, but 30 year cycle, right, or more. 
And what I've found is those who lived through it the first time mm -hmm. refuse it, <laughs> even if it was them back then, because they were still changing. Right. Yeah. It's what I found is the people like, you know, I remember when flare jeans came back recently and I remember mm -hmm. when bell bottoms come back, the only people that were buying them were the younger ones who didn't go through it the first time. Yes. That's very, that is <laughs> such a good observation. It, it is only, it's the, so the young people are all like, dude, isn't this awesome? And all the other people are going, dear God, I can't believe those are back. And yeah. why are they wearing them? Even if I they, know. even if they wore them when they were a kid, what happened is, or when they were young is yeah. that they were still changing yes as culture was changing yes then they reached a point where they stopped changing yes and culture kept changing even yeah. if it evolved back around to what it was before so that's a that's just a fascinating observation about so change. interesting so, so go and buy that's the challenge go buy right go buy new. something you maybe wouldn't normally wear mm -hmm. and and sport it just put it on Store. wear it proudly yep and when all your friends who haven't changed look at you and go dude what are you wearing just look at them going what are you wearing that's a good one. Because <laughs> I'm changing. I'm growing. What are the, you wearing? Tell your, Tim, stuff, Tim your, stuff is, your stuff is so 20 years old. So 20 days old. Your, your fashion's so old. Mm -hmm. So anyways, mm. emotional, unhealthy emotional attachment. That's good. Look That's for good. them. That's good. Have you ever taken the attachments test? No. I think you were telling me about this like a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. Someone tried to get me to take it a while back, but I, I haven't taken it yet. But there's so much around it. You really? never, you never take no. it? No. Never have. Maybe we need to do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, hopefully this conversation has encouraged you, provoked you. It's yeah. been a great conversation. Tick some people off? Yeah, maybe. It's okay. What, what are the things that you are stuck in when it comes to church life mm -hmm. that you don't like now mm -hmm. about current church? I'm, I'm really curious. I'll just one last thing. We've, I think maybe mentioned this before. And we both you know, really appreciate someone like Erwin McManus, who's 64 years old, but on the forward end and always has been, yes. you know, on trends and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's just really fascinating that during COVID, and we've talked about this, that they went in and like rechanged the whole look aesthetic of oh, their yeah. auditorium yeah. and everything. And it, they might be trendsetters. I'd be really curious. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard when you've got a building that's big and it's painted a certain way to want to repaint it all. Yeah. <laughs> it's very costly, but it's just fascinating. I, I mm -hmm. wonder what our stylistically and environmentally, yeah. aesthetically i wonder what our spaces will look like in 10 years and will we keep it up or will our building still look the same and look 15 years old in 10 years yeah i don't want to send us on another trail but you know i i think i think part of the problem is churches like ours mm -hmm. the good thing is we <clears throat> we so value excellence and we so value people coming in feeling welcome and mm -hmm. feeling comfortable mm -hmm. but if you think about it comfort is the enemy of change mm-hmm and isn't it crazy? Um, there are countries all over the world where the gospel's illegal and people will hike through miles of snow and life endangerment to get there, and the venue will change every single week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then and we have a beautiful building. Because it's and, underground. And people will get frustrated if, <laughs> yeah. if we change the whatever. color or do something. Change the color, yeah. Yeah. Or something I'll isn't tell to you their what, One of these days we'll change our set again. Mm -hmm. It's kind of kind of difficult to do mm. and costly but i'm about ready for a set change here yeah yeah i like it though yeah but, you know don't want to get too static no it's good no all right good convo let's think about the ways that we want to change need to change and go buy something new mm. until next week we will see you then